0: This is Joe Basso from Music Radar, the place for music makers, and I'm speaking with Richie Sambora, guitarist with Bon Jovi. You need no introduction at all. Richie, how you doing? Come in Berlin. I'm doing well. How about you, buddy? I'm fantastic, man. Good to talk to you. You too, bro. Before we get to our mass of reader questions, I wanted to ask you first about this film soundtrack that you're working on for uh, a movie called The Tournament.
1: Yeah, I did. I've been just doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, basically, I was doing some background music for that particular movie. and uh, I've been working on other movies and other TV projects and, uh, you know, writing again with John. I mean, John and I have an album's worth of material, and we're about to take the band in the studio in January. So much for time off, you know what I'm saying? There you go, man.
0: Is it a fun experience writing for the movies?
1: Yeah, it's really, really fun. I've never done it before. Obviously, I've done a lot of soundtrack stuff. You know, as far as putting songs on particular soundtracks, both my solo works and also the Bon Jovi stuff has been on many, many movie soundtracks, but I've never done the actual background music, so it's a lot of fun. You walk into a studio and you're looking at this big giant screen and they show you the scene that you have to, uh, you know, make the music for to set the mood. You got a band, then you just go. You start making stuff up, and it's. Uh, and I was good at it. I really, really enjoyed myself, and uh, they hired me to do some other stuff. So uh, I must have did pretty well, uh, and I enjoyed myself. It was something I had never done. Is one of the few things in this business that I've never done.
0: For something like that, and for Bon Jovi, how do you demo? I mean, do you work with Garage Band, or do you have a home studio set up? I imagine how do you nah. work?
1: No, I-, I like to go to work. I really don't have anything set up in my home. I like to to actually go out of the house to go to work. My house is more like a, a sanctuary of non-work. Oh, wow. <laughs> Okay. I like to write in my house, but I don't like to actually record here. So uh, I know, we just go to a studio. You know, John has a studio on the premises of his house in New Jersey, mm-hmm. so we usually take the band in there. Or, uh, you know, as of late, we've been working with uh, producer John extraordinaire John Shanks. Yeah. And John has a studio out here... Uh, studio b and henson we do our demos there and actually i failed to see how we call them demos after this because usually they become records uh at this at this stage in our career anytime you roll tape or at this point you know roll pro tools or whatever wherever we were working on that particular day it can make it can be a hit record it's usually they we just usually record it's it's usually it's usually good, good stuff it's not. Uh, you don't record demos anymore. We just walk in and actually make the record. What do you make of this
0: lawsuit? This disgruntled Boston Red Sox fan is suing you for four hundred billion dollars.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. I think <laughs> it's just it's just it's just great press. He's out of his mind, obviously. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, you can tell that he, that it's just crazy because. First of all, the song would never garnish that much money. I mean, I know you. Not even in the same ballpark, and <laughs> he's saying that some like John was doing something for John Kerry back in like you know the last presidential election or something. Right. And he heard he heard something. He had some song called I don't know. I don't even I don't even know. I haven't even been paying attention to it, quite frankly. But the musicologist came in already and said there's like. Nothing yeah. besides the word "really" and "love" or something, which is, you know, obviously nothing to be sued for as far as any kind of lawsuit. So, yeah, no, it's a, it, it was pretty funny. I think it's just a, uh, I think it's a local musician trying to get himself some national press. Done. He may he may be smart, you know.
0: You've done quite well, but four hundred billion—that's uh... exactly. That's a little bit out of the ballpark All righty, okay. On to some reader questions here. A reader by the name of Blue Line wants to know which Bon Jovi album was the most fun to make and why, also, which Bon Jovi album was the toughest to
1: make. Hmm. They're all fun in in different ways, but, uh, you know, I think Slipper and Wet was probably the most fun to make because we were probably at... It was the probably the largest singular move for us as a band. Find that We really found our voice because if you listen to our first two albums, right. we weren't really... A band yet we were we were a good live band but we didn't have good songs yet john and i really didn't find our chemistry as songwriters when slippery came along not only did we move up to vancouver which we tore apart <laughs> we got, they kicked us out of vancouver they didn't let us back in there for another couple of years yeah. after that we had such a good time but we made you know the greatest record of our lives at that point you know it, it was just it was just a it was just a ball and it was just the largest move we went from shit to shinola basically Hardest record to make? I don't know. Maybe keep the faith, because the band had taken a break there for a couple of years, and we were all burnt out. So actually putting the pieces back together again, and also in the midst of our absence, all of a sudden the whole music cycle had changed to grunge. To make that album with that adversity, and we also changed our manager... Uh, we started managing ourselves, which was a very bold move for a bunch of young cats. <laughs> you know, so we there was a lot of change going on on the Keep the Faith record. So I think that was probably the hardest one to acclimate to and, and make.
0: <clears throat> a reader by the name of Richie's Swiss Girl wants to know, what instruments do you play on a regular basis except the guitar?
1: Really, uh, piano, yeah. Yeah, that would be probably, that's the other thing that I write on. So, yeah, I, I don't play very well, but uh, I, I don't know if anybody knows this, but I really started out playing accordion. Oh. But I couldn't get any bitches playing accordion, so I switched <laughs> to guitar. Uh,
0: not exactly the stuff of Rockstar Dreams,
1: huh? <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: A reader by the name of I'm the King wants to know, what pedal setup do you use most often?
1: Jeff? I don't use many pedals, honestly. I, I let the sound guy use do most of the effects, I like to have the sound as pure as possible, but I do use an overdrive unit now called the Klon. That's a a pedal that some guy makes in his garage that's just really, really good.
0: Yeah, I've never heard of it.
1: Yeah, I I just got wind of it during this last tour, and it's just a a great overdrive pedal that doesn't suck the sound out of your amplifier or or, or compress it too badly. A Wawa, I obviously have my talk box in line for when I need it but that doesn't that's not really taking anything that's between the amp head and the speaker head and what else do I have? I have a chorus pedal I think that's about it pretty minimal pretty minimal yeah i let the sound guy use do all the effects you know i went to see jeff beck a, a few years back in the late 80s and early 90s i was using one of those crazy rigs that had all these effects in it and everything and i was controlling everything on stage and my sound was just so so squashed and small, you know. Yeah. I went to see Jeff Beck one night and I just looked at him, I said, What are you doing, man? Besides being a genius and all the other <laughs> stuff that he is, obviously. He says, Yep, I'm just plugging you know, I have an overdrive and a Wawa and I go straight into the head and I use a cord. And you know, I don't I the only time I use a wireless is when I on the songs that I actually go out of my area on and I basically have the whole right side of the stage to myself. Yeah, yeah. So and, you know, that's all my my gears. A reader by the
0: name of Payon asks, "You're not playing the acoustic guitar on the intro of Wanna Dead or Alive' anymore. Is there any reason for this?"
1: Uh, I think probably because we have so many more songs now, and so many more great songs to stick in a set that people want to hear. That there's not there's not that much time for it. You know, it just doesn't. Trust me, I play enough notes all night that I don't need to play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we play, we we do a good, you know, two four two four two hours and forty minutes. I'm playing solos on every song, man. I'm playing enough notes. So, you know, I used—I think I used to use do the acoustic suite to go out there and show off my uh, Aldi Miola chops.
0: This next question is either going to be incredibly easy to answer or, or very hard. A reader by the name of Soph wants to know that in the whole 25 years that you guys have been together, what's been the most memorable moment?
1: <laughs> Too hard to answer. I mean, it's impossible. I've been lucky enough to be uh, fortunate enough in my career to have... Many, many tremendous moments. Uh, you know, when obviously when you have your first hit single, that's a tremendous moment. The first time you headline an arena and kick its ass. The first time you headline a stadium. I mean, just this year, uh, we got awarded by Billboard. We had the number one tour in the world. That's right. After yeah. 25 years. Yeah. We're, you know, Springsteen came in second and Madonna came in third. And I and uh, and we're still around when everybody said, oh, they're going to be gone. You know, they're just a hairband or something. A reader by the
0: name of J.B. Baby Please said that he was lucky enough to have seen and met you at the Rock Hall tribute to Les Paul in November mm-hmm. and wants
1: to know what Les Paul is really like. Ah, oh, he's, you know, besides being the genius that he is, he is a really funny, witty individual for, especially for being 93 years old. And he's one of my, obviously, uh, I think he's my oldest living friend. He's, you know, I mean, he's a... He's him and I get along so well. We always did, you know. Every time we get along, every time we get together, and we we're talking about this when we saw each other, we just talk for hours. We just we never run out of things to say to each other. We just him and I are on like the same wavelength as, as far as friendship goes, and and uh, obviously we have a lot to talk about when it comes to music and uh, the music business and stuff like that. Because he was a real innovator, not only from a music level but a business level.
0: I imagine his stories must be just incredible. Oh, and the stories are just phenomenal,
1: you know. And he knows everybody.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, unbelievable. Is he is he hip to what's going on in music now? I mean, does he does he still listen to what people are doing? I don't think so. Okay, I, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but certainly it's not a point of our conversations. A reader by the name of Richie Rocks My World says, "I used to play an acoustic guitar, but now I'm thinking of buying my first electric." Do you have any tips on buying my first electric guitar?
1: Yeah, um, go and play a bunch of them and see what, what, you know, you what suits your hands and what feels good to you. And also, you know, it depends on what kind of style of electric guitar you want to play. Obviously, the two most versatile instruments are Strats and Les Pauls, so it's, just, it's, it's up to you. But go and try to make sure you get a guitar that's going to stay in tune, because uh, if, if you buy an electric guitar that goes out of tune constantly, boy, that's oh, yeah. a bitch.
0: A reader by the name of Elvira wants to know, what is the song that you never believed in, but it turned out to be a big hit?
1: Well, as of recently, um, I don't know if I can say I never believed in it. I thought it was a good song, but I never thought it would be a hit song, was uh, Who Says You Can't Go Home. And okay, it, it was the first uh, number one song on the country charts by a rock band yeah. ever. So yeah, I don't know. I, I believed in the song as a song, but I didn't. I didn't know if it was a hit song or not. So,
0: the whole thing of getting into the country charts just totally took you by surprise.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I mean, we we're like, you know, certainly it wasn't a plan. You know, it's just kind of a. This was a happenstance. Do you see now
0: that some other bands are now trying to mimic the same kind of move?
1: Uh, I'm not paying attention if they are. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> to be quite frank, you know, I don't know. I'm not paying attention if there are.
0: Sy Chick eighty wants to know if you have another solo album coming out soon.
1: You know, I got a bunch of songs written, and John wanted to go back to work, and I just went, okay, let's see what's going on, and and him and I just got hot as far as songwriting. So we're just gonna gonna follow that. That's what's, that's what's really happening now. You know, I I mean, you know, I, I'm very very happy to. To be having the success level that yeah. Bon Jovi is owning it at this point, and uh so I mean I can do solo solo records down the road
0: Ed Rovers wants to know how you personally go about writing a song. Do you have any process? How do you
1: start yeah, usually with a title usually i i I need a title to to write I don't just write music and then write lyrics later, and what a title will do for you is at least give you a like something to go on as far as what your story is and what you're going to write about. Because to me, a lyric has to make sense. You know, I, I, I think I hear a lot of bands out there that sometimes their lyrics don't make sense, and they're still kind of cool songs, but they're not great songs to me. A great song has a, you know, beginning, middle, and end, and, and it has a story to it, almost like a, like a movie. So John and I, and even myself, uh, I like to start with a title and a, and a point of view and just go from there.
0: I'm surprised being a guitar player that you don't sit at home and jam and get riffs, and those become your songs.
1: nope, riffs come later okay. uh songwriter first, riffmeister later let's see Bon Jovi
0: Alta wants to know why are your guitar solos not as long as before because they're beautiful <laughs>
1: Well, some of them are longer than others and um <laughs> you know like i you have to you know one thing I learned as it's a session player, you know, long before I even got into Bon Jovi was that you have to play for what the song calls for and sometimes the song doesn't call for a solo at all, sometimes it calls for a short solo, sometimes it calls for a long solo really, what's been going on I think is um, there's less and less you know, when when people want to see me or hear me play, they can come and uh, hear me play live because I get to wind it out a little bit more, but uh, on record, I've been more economical lately
0: Sambora2008. Is this your question? Did you send this one in? Yeah,
1: sure. I'm I'm asking myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> says that uh, he saw you uh, in Manchester this year and wants to know if you have any plans to collaborate with Fender in the
1: future because he says the strats that you played totally rocked. Jeez, you know, it might not have been a Fender strat because I do play some other kinds of strats, some some handmade stuff and everything mm-hmm. else. So it might have not been... Uh, a Fender Strat, but of course, I you know, uh, I always play a Strat, you know, I'm always going to bring out my Strats, and tellies and Les Pauls, and, you know, I, I like to bring the good stuff out.
0: Uh, let's see, a reader by the name of Signy wants to know where you, as a songwriter, where you draw inspiration from.
1: Uh, you know, I, it could be, you know, I travel the world a lot, I see a lot of people, I see a lot of people struggle. I see a lot of people have good times, I see, you know, a lot of it comes from observation, mm-hmm. um, some of it comes from my own life experience, uh, you know, Lost Highway, was a, there was a lot of songs about me on that record, that's for sure, a lot of my personal life, stuff that I was going through, which wasn't the most pleasant thing, but there was optimism in in some of those lyrics because I, I was coming out of all that stuff. Give you know, a, it comes from all different aspects.
0: Give me a few examples, actually. Uh, from from that album
1: well just lost highway uh you know i was just going through some real real tough times over those years losing my dad and just you know having my own struggles personally and going through a divorce and all that stuff and and you know lost highway it was a kind of about that and then i i finally found my way and i you know picking myself up and moving so there's 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 a lot of examples on that record. Is
0: it therapeutic for you to um, to work like that? Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah,
1: sure. Some of the, it's very cathartic. Some of that stuff you have to get out.
0: Wow. Joe Satriani sent a question in. I don't know. The reader is called Satch 1173. <laughs> um, maybe it is Satch. He wants to know what your warm up routine is before a
1: show. <laughs> My warm up routine. Yes. Usually, I, what I like to do um, is put on like a record. And play along with a record, mm-hmm. like some one of my favorite like albums, whether it be Hendrix or Zeppelin or Stevie Ray or Johnny Winter or Almond Brothers or something like that, and just kind of riff around the other riffs, and that's the way I get my um, fingers warmed up. So no scales
0: and stuff like that, just
1: just playing. No, nah, no, nah, you got to get your fingers warmed up to play. I mean, this the scales might warm some of that stuff up, but you know, you got to do some bends and you got. I, I like to lay down some blues most of the time.
0: The Dude Five wants to know, as a guitarist, what is the most erotic song that you play live.
1: Jeez, I don't know. That that would, that would have to be. Uh, uh, that's a subjective question, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, you know, that's up to the listener, I think.
0: <laughs> Bad Six says name wants to know if you could change one thing professionally or personally, what would you change?
1: If I could change one thing professionally or personally, I hate these kind of questions. What can I see? Well, professionally, I don't know if I'd want. I don't think I'd change anything. I think it's been going pretty well, right? Uh, in my career, I think I'm probably one of the luckiest guys, and to have a career like like I'm like I own right now. Let's see. I think from a personal level, I think I wish I could be. Uh, I wish I could have. Uh, I wish I could like fly home every night and be with my kid. Okay, that would probably be the the one thing that i'd like to be around more i'd like to be home more you know uh, but until they invent the holographic concert i think they
0: uh, i think they have elvis uh, does that i think
1: they have too right i saw that thing on cnn this, yeah. this election year right that was pretty intense yeah but that's that's probably what i would change i'd i'd like to be around my my child let's see
0: a reader by the name of oh this is a good name gas panic says you're a big beatles fan what is your favorite album by the beatles
1: mine is revolver God Almighty! It just changes. Those kind of questions are just so hard for me to ask because I'm such a diversified music lover to begin with. But then you know, when you listen to a Beatles album, I mean, besides everyone being great in its own right, yeah. I uh, really, I think it depends on your mood. I think it really depends on your mood about when you, especially when you listen to a band like that.
0: I totally. It's agree. not like they only have
1: like one or two great records out of ten. Um, they have ten great records out of ten. So.
0: And the last question is actually a pretty good appropriate last question I think from a reader named Richie Rocks My World you have a lot of guitars but if you had to choose your favorite one to play which would it be
1: let's see oh god probably my it's got to probably be the 59 list Paul that I have <laughs> my 59 is probably you know that's going to be my favorite that's it just is one of those things that you know just feels right sounds right and it's uh it's just a spectacular instrument i hear they're worth some money these days huh yeah, a few bucks.
0: <laughs> so if, if times ever get tough, head off to the pawn shop. Yeah, sure.
1: It's about to have to be some hefty pawn shop somewhere. I don't know where. Oh, my God.
0: Hey, Richie, thank you very much for spending some time with me. It's been great. You're welcome, man. This is Joe Basso from Music Radar, the place for music makers, and I've been speaking to Richie Sambora, guitarist extraordinaire for Bon Jovi. Richie, again, man, thanks a lot. All right, guys, take it easy. All right, you take care.